Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to our final week in our series we've titled Love Where You Live. In the course of this series, we've examined the reality that God has called us straight from the very first book in the Bible to watch over or to care or to serve the place where he has placed us. (laughs) Now, this is fine and dandy if you are placed in a, a situation where the land around you is in good condition. And the people you are around are great people to be around. They lift you up and they build you up. But the reality is, is we live in a fallen, broken world. And from Genesis chapter 2 on, we read of this, this tension we have between living in this world as it is with the hope of the future to come. Now, we've been looking through the book of 1 Peter and the very first three chapters in it. And we've seen that God through Peter, was writing to a people who were spread out. They had, they had been forced to leave their land due to persecution and due to God's calling them to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. That is found right in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But through the book of Peter, maybe if you've not been with us, you haven't been following, but go back and read the first three chapters of first peter there's not a lot of proclamation going on there's a lot of how to live peter was writing to these people telling them how they should behave in this world how they were to be as jesus would say and we will read a little bit later they were to be the light of the earth they were to have their good deeds shine out so that all may worship and proclaim Their heavenly father is their God. So what gives? Isn't there supposed to be more than just living a life? Is it good enough to get lives transformed? Is it enough to live in a way that you don't have to really do a lot else than just live? If if you're anything like me, I'm not exactly an extroverted person per se, I am that way because of the position where I've been placed as a pastor. However, that's not my nature. That's not my tendency. I could move out to the mountains and be a very happy person out in my wilderness, in the beauty of God's creation. I would, I would fit in so well. And I think there's a lot of people who relate to that. They're not exactly extroverted people who go around and just want to tell everybody about Jesus There are very few true evangelists in the church. And so it is my personality and many people listening, I'm sure today, it's our personality to just be, let's show the world Jesus through our actions. And today we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to be examining what does this look like in your everyday life? Right? We've already looked at the reality that we're called to serve and to watch over and to love our land. We are to do that even in terrible situations where we are to show God's love. And last week we talked about people and how are we to love people when they're difficult. And then today we're going to close it off by examining how do we marry, if you will, or connect both our actions and our words. And Peter will 
tell us how in chapter 2. But before we dig into chapter 2, I want to just bring us back into the reality of who Peter was writing to. Just briefly, very briefly. Because that's very important that we put ourselves into the place of the first readers of this letter. Now, if you remember, uh, Peter is writing to exiles, right? At any moment, these people where God had placed them could face execution. Their, their death was imminent. Every day they woke up not knowing if they would see another day. That's the reality of how they live. Now, put yourself into those shoes, right? How, how would that impact you today? If, if you wouldn't know, if you'd see your kids tomorrow morning, if you would get home today and your family would be gone, right? If, if somebody were to come into your work today and say, you're coming with me, your proclamation or just your attending your church service yesterday, you're going home, right? You're meeting your maker, if you will. How would that affect you? Now, for many people, and this did happen in the time of the first century, many people would run off to the hills, right? They would, they would go off to a cave and hide. We have records of people who did that. But Peter understood that. And so he saw these people in these situations, and he's writing to them saying, do not run from this situation. Do not run from the opportunity to live your lives in such a way that will cause people to pause. So why are they like that? They know that their actions will lead them to persecution, to torture. And in the least, it's going to cause them to live in such a way where they can't own a business, right? Go back to like the Holocaust and, and what happened there. Like this is the reality of what these people were facing. They didn't have a home to go to. They didn't have a business to own. They were on the run. But yet, Peter says, run no more. Turn around and face those enemies. Face those who may kill you. And live in such a way where even if they kill you, they will do it with their conscience telling them it's wrong, right? These are good people. They have done no wrong. Their faith is causing them to live in such a way that they are an asset to our community. What are we doing, right? And so that's who Peter is writing to. And so today we dig in and we're going to examine this, this last piece of scripture in this study. And see that it isn't just our lives that make a difference. It's the words we use as well. And he unpacks this so beautifully in this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. So let's get to it. Verse 4, we're going to begin it. As you come to him, this is Jesus, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones and a spiritual house are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, 
and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, that stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you, you who have believed, he's writing to us now. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. So you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Because of Jesus, he's opened up that door. He's writing to, right, Peter's writing to Gentiles here now. He's writing to those who had no place in Israel. And he's saying, now you are the people of God. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. There's a lot in this passage, right? I say that all the time. But wow. So Peter begins by laying out this this beautiful statement that we are spiritual houses. We are living stones. We are spiritual houses. We ourselves, right? It used to be that the people of God had to go to a church or a temple, right? In those days, it was the temple of God. There was only one temple of God that was truly God's house. And if you wanted to meet with him, you had to go there. Not that God didn't meet his people outside of the temple. He did, right? We got many accounts throughout the Old Testament where God came to his people. It wasn't in a temple. It wasn't in a tabernacle. It was in the wilderness, right? It was on, on the road. God met with his people. But, but what Peter is doing here, he's tying that, that beautiful temple that was magnificent and just it, it glowed in the, in the desert, right? People could see it from miles. It was so amazing and magnificent. Now we are those people. We are the, the spiritual house that's being built. And then Peter kind of jumps into this, this, this three passages that are based from Isaiah 28, Psalm 118, and Isaiah 8, where he's saying, Jesus is that precious cornerstone. He is where we get this identity. We are built upon him and him alone, right? So here we are. We are the spiritual house. We are this place that, that has a foundation built upon Jesus. He is what we have our authority from, right? And then he continues on by stating that now, now because Jesus is that way for us to have a foundation, now we are a chosen person. We are precious and we are to proclaim his excellencies. Right? He uses words like a priest. Right? This Old Testament term. And what was a priest's job in the Old Testament? It was to be between God and man, right? Because we as normal people, if you were a normal person like everyone is, who's probably listening today, unless you're some pastor yourself, which what an honor it is that you'd be listening. But like the reality is, is that 
we are now the person that God uses to step between him and the lost world around us. We are priests. We are to walk as lights of Jesus to proclaim his excellencies or what we read in this translation, his praises. But excellencies or his good deeds are a better translation, right? And so God is our cornerstone. We are these, these spiritual houses that are being built to stand between God and his people. And then we are to proclaim his excellencies, his good deeds, his, his gospel, this good news that Jesus came. And because of Jesus, now we can be priests, ordinary people that have done nothing to deserve this position. We are now saved by grace. And now we are thrusted forward as God's representatives. We are, as we talked about last week, we are his sons and we are his daughters because Jesus covers us with his blood and forgives us and makes us right with God. Now we are that representative. And that's why we are called to live holy. So it is so powerful. And I hope you really get the, the depths of this because this plays out into your world so powerfully. You are God's representative. He has chosen you. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he says, now go and be my representative. Be my priest. <laughs> be my ambassador. We, we, we know that word, right? An ambassador in today's world is somebody who represents a country to another country and how important that is because if you have a bad ambassador, your relationship to that country could be severed. And we see that going on around the world right now. And if you're listening to this when it is, is broadcast live, our gas prices are reflecting that, right? We have a bad relationship with some countries right now and it's infecting things pretty powerfully and it's reflected also spiritually the church i shouldn't say the church because church is a broad sense and there's nobody who can take represent nobody can really take the responsibility of the church because it's a broad thing it's a thing thing but followers of jesus have such an important role we can either be a good representative of god to this world or we can be a bad one and i don't know about you and what your thoughts are on this and this is something for a conversation not for a message but how much of how we've represented god to this world is resulting in people away and saying, I don't want nothing to do with church or following Jesus. Because if that's what it looks like to be a follower of him, I don't want nothing to do with it. I don't want to be that kind of person who is judgmental or critical or is plagued by all sorts of evil things, anger, depression, anxiety. Not that those things don't come upon us that has nothing to do with our walk with Jesus. 
but it reflects to the world. And we don't want to put on a fake face. But there's a tension there. And this is where a, a small group is so important to have conversation about this because there's so many variables. There's so many things that, that creep into this. But the point is today is we are representatives. We are ambassadors. We are priests to this world. And that's what Peter is getting to here. And then he closes it down, which is such a thought-provoking statement. Right here in verse 12, we read, Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that when they slander you as evildoers, right, when the world looks on us and says, you are hypocritical, you are full of hate towards people that aren't like you. You are waving your Christian flag, but then you're going out there and you're putting statements on social media or you're getting behind political leaders that that are evil and full of rage. They look at you and they see that. What do they think? Peter's like, no, don't be that way. Don't be that way. When they look at you and they say you are evildoers and they get actually close to you and they see who you really are, they're not going to slander you no more. They will observe your good works, he says, and they will glorify God on the day he visits. Your good works, your actions, and your deeds, they come together. And when the world truly sees a Christian up close and impersonal, not what social media says, not what, what the news media says, but when they get close to you, when they're where you work, when they're in your classroom with you, when they're in your neighborhood, when they're in your family, and they get to truly know you, they see a humble heart that Peter's been talking about, right? They see the servant's heart, and they say, these people aren't evildoers. They're loving. They're kind. They're accepting. They understand that they're no better than me, and they want me to understand the beauty of the forgiveness of God and that he transforms a life and he brings hope because they don't look at this world as their hope. They look at heaven, eternal life as their hope. Tying in what we learned last week. That's what this all comes down to. When it truly comes down to, to one thing, if you want to love where you live, you will see people and you will shine the love of Jesus, how he lived, how he treated others, and how he spoke the good news in the kingdom of God. We see this so beautifully in Jesus' words himself. This is Matthew 5, 14 through 16. I just want to read it for you because he called his followers to be the light of the world. He says, you are the lights of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone who praises your heavenly Father. So everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Your good deeds and the words you use will, as, as Peter says and as Jesus himself says, it's like, Peter is just retelling what Jesus said in Matthew 5, right? Your good works, your good deeds, 
will cause people who say you are evildoers to be like, actually, no, I'm going to praise their God. Like, what a transformation in that one statement. It's so powerful. It's so beautiful. I want to read one more passage for you in Romans. And this emphasizes a little bit more about our words and the power of our words. And this is Paul speaking about the proclamation of the gospel. Verse 14 of Romans 10. So how then can they call on them if they have not believed in him? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So that is so important that we, that we don't lose the message with our good deeds. It's a tension that we always have to, to wrestle with. Because introverts like myself have a tendency to just to be like, let's go and let's show them God through our works. But as James says, and as we read here, we also must have our words tied into it. Without words, our actions lose the power. Why do we do what we do? People need to know. They need to hear. Well, as we come to an end in this series, I want to summarize this through Peter's own words in chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. I want to bring it back to his concluding thoughts on this. And he says, now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats, right? Again, he's talking to persecuted people. So put yourself in that place for a moment. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, right? Worship. That comes through praising him. That comes through reading the word. That comes through prayers, right? Have a relationship with him. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Right there you go. Perfectly brings both thoughts together. Your actions, how you treat people, your attitudes, how you speak, and the words you speak, they all go hand in hand. Now remember, friends, that we have to go back to what we talked about last week. How do we do this in the world that takes us? We have to have our priorities set straight. We have to be spending time with God. We have to. We have to set our minds and our hopes on Him. If we put our hope in people, transforming, if we put our hope in, in governments changing or rules changing, if we put our hope in our finances or our situations at work or at school, our world is going to be constantly negative. This world is not our home. We don't have our hope in that. Put your hope in God. Get your identity in Him and spend time with Him. He will give you the strength he will be your source of power through the Holy Spirit. And so when you show love, when you speak love, when your attitude is that of Christ, people, even if, even if they persecute you, they will have no grounds for it 
And in the end, as Peter said in chapter 2, they will end up praising the Father. Don't know how that works, but that's a promise I want to hold on to. That's a promise I want to hold on to. I hope you do too. Well, as we close today, I want to leave you with a thought from Anthony Padua. He was a, a, a Franciscan, and he said, Actions speak louder than words, so let your words teach and your actions speak. Let your words teach your actions Father, I pray for everybody listening today. Father, that they will take this message to heart, this whole series to heart. God, we are not here forever. This is our temporary home, our true home. Our hope is in you and in heaven. That's where there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. There will be perfect joy and peace forever. And so I pray for every person listening, wherever they find themselves in this world, God, that they will put their hope in you and they will stand strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. They'll take time with you and be filled with you. And they will turn to these situations. And they will look through the eyes of Jesus and love like him. And speak like him. And act like him to this world who needs our presence. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you so much. Texas Church family for joining us today and I hope you can join us next week when we turn our attention to what it looks like to walk like Jesus walked. See you then.